Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Read with Michelle Martin. How did an online bookstore that sold its first book in late 1995 become a trillion dollar company that turned its founder into the world's richest person in the process? Brian Demain is author of Beesonomics, How Amazon is Changing Our Lives and What the World's Best Companies Are Learning From It. Good morning, Brian. Good of you to join us live. Oh, good morning, Michelle. It's a pleasure to be here today. The book opens by taking us through the always day one approach that's endemic in the corporate culture of Amazon. What explains why Amazon, in your view, seems to be able to anticipate future trends and get there faster than any other company in the world? Well, Jeff Bezos has a philosophy called day one, which is largely responsible for the company's success. And what he means by day one is that he wants all of his employees to come to work each day as if it were the first day of a startup, you know, with that entrepreneurial spirit, with that drive, with a lot of energy and compassion. Now, Amazon has grown into a huge corporation. It has $280 billion in sales today and 800,000 employees. And the question is, how do you keep up that day one spirit? Mm. And Jeff Bezos worries about that a lot. As a matter of fact, I have an anecdote in my book where he addresses uh, an all-hands meeting. And one of the employees asked him, well, what happens on day two? And everyone (laughs) sort of laughed. But then Bezos answered, and he said, I know exactly what happens on day two. And he says, stasis followed by irrelevance, followed by excruciating, painful decline, followed by death. And... (laughs) He really, <laughs> he really believes that. He believes that if a big organization starts looking inward, if it gets caught up in corporate politics, if it focuses more on the comp- competitors than on uh, the customer, that it'll one day fail. Where do you stand on the issue over whether or not Jeff Bezos was self-made, given that there was a time when the world's richest man needed a $300,000 loan from his parents to help the business back in 1995? That's right. Well, he came from somewhat humble origins. I mean, when I was writing the biographical section of my book, Hmm. I looked back at his early childhood, and he was born in New Mexico, and his father was actually named Jurgensen. And he was a unicyclist. He used to perform at county fairs and circuses. And when Jeff was an infant, his father left him and his mother. And then his mother remarried uh, a Cuban immigrant named Mike Bezos. And that's where Jeff took his, his name. And I'm thinking to myself, as I'm researching my book, how does a, a kid from a single mother in New Mexico whose father is a unicyclist who disappears one day, grow up to be the richest man in the world. And as I dug a little more deeply, I realized that he spent his summers on a ranch in Texas owned by his grandfather. His name was Pop Geis. And his grandfather taught Bezos on the ranch how to be very resourceful. They mended fences. They built a prefab house. They actually rebuilt a Caterpillar tractor. But it still didn't make a lot of sense. So I I looked more deeply into Pop Geis' background, and it turned out that 
he was a high government official in the United States. He ran the Los Alamos uh, project, which developed the atomic bomb, and he had 26,000 people beneath him. So he had amazing organizational skills, and he had a deep knowledge of technology. And I think uh, Jeff Bezos, some of that rubbed off on him. Brian, you're an award-winning journalist and contributing editor at Fortune magazine. Um, Could you share a a personal interaction with Bezos that has stayed with you? Well, Michelle, he's a a very uh, unusual individual. He's, He's a person who goes by data. I mean, he, he is almost like a, a robot in his drive and passion for analyzing facts and figures and, and data. So, I mean, he has a sense of humor. He has this very contagious, loud, explosive laugh. But, uh, you know, he's not necessarily the, the kind of... Uh, guy you want to hang around a long time at a bar with. Um, so, but, you know, but he's a great leader. I mean, he inspires his people, but it's mostly through his brilliance and his ability to uh, run an organization the size of Amazon based not on corporate politics, but based on uh, information, data, analytics, that sort of thing. Is it true his uh, in- intelligence had limitations, though, and that he found quantum physics daunting? Well, he did it when he was <laughs> at Princeton. Uh, he wanted to be a quantum uh, physicist, uh, and he was passionate about outer space as well. But he found other uh, people in his class were a lot better at it than he was, so he switched over to computer science. Um, and he was pretty good at that. He graduated with a A plus average from Princeton, which is almost unheard of. And he went to Wall Street and worked for a hedge fund called D.E. Shaw. And the interesting story was one day he was sitting at his desk and he came across this statistic, which said that this thing called the Internet, you remember this is back in the early 1990s, mm. this thing called the Internet was growing at 2,300% a year. And he said, I've never seen anything in my life that's been growing that fast, so I have to have a piece of it. So he left this very lucrative job on Wall Street, and he drove west with his wife, Mackenzie, to Seattle. They started the business in their garage, uh, selling books online. And one important thing to remember, Michelle, about Jeff Bezos and Amazon is he didn't start out wanting to be a bookseller. Mm. He started out wanting to create the biggest, best online commerce platform in the world. Mm. And the first product he just happened to pick was books. And it, it made a lot of sense because it's easy to sell books online, right? They're pretty much all the same shape. They're not that heavy. Uh, They don't spoil on the shelves like groceries. Uh, People pretty much know what's in a book because of book reviews. So he picked books first. But from those early days, he named the company Amazon after the Amazon River in Brazil because he wanted his company to sell a flow of goods as long and as large and as swift as the Amazon River. You're an amazing storyteller in person, as you are 
on page, Brian, I have to say. We're speaking with uh, the author of Basonomics. He's also an award-winning journalist, Brian DeMaine. Uh, Amazon was once a David to Barnes & Noble's Goliath uh, in the mid-90s in terms of competition. What does your book tell us about how Amazon deals with competition, Brian? Well, Amazon is an incredibly fierce competitor, but they don't do that in a way you might think. One of Bezos's tenants is everything starts with the customer. So he doesn't want his people spending a lot of time thinking about the competition, analyzing the competition, reacting to the competition. He's always believed that if you take care of the customer, if you're constantly giving them lower prices, faster delivery, more incredible services like Prime, where you get free movies, free streaming television series, streaming music, uh, discounts at some of Amazon's stores like Whole Foods in the U.S., that uh, you don't need to worry about the competition. Now, that said, if anyone got in his way, uh, there, he would cut prices and take losses until that competitor basically would either you know give up or disappear. Uh, so, yes, it's one thing to say he didn't focus on the competitor. And it's true he focused on the customer. But if another company got in his way, he would just steamroll right over. He's a very focused, intense and driven individual. Fascinating subject. Amazon on Friday asked its employees to delete the Chinese-owned video app TikTok from their cell phones, uh, putting Amazon at the center of a growing suspicion and sense of paranoia about the app. But hours later, Amazon reversed course. It said that email to workers was sent in error. But if we take a step back, how do you think the US-China tech war rivalry could impact the continued backbone of artificial intelligence that drives Amazon's ability to dominate in the world of commerce. That's a great point, uh, Michelle. There's a lot of tension, as you know, between the U.S. and China right now. You know, trying to negotiate a trade deal, or the U.S. is trying to negotiate a trade deal with China. And I think there's a lot of posturing coming out of uh, Washington D.C. and especially towards apps like uh, TikTok. Uh, you know, part of it is that America has always felt that it's owned the social media space. And with China coming forward fast and hard with TikTok, some of the big American tech platforms feel threatened and the government is lashing out at TikTok, perhaps for that reason. And there's also some very, I think, reasonable concern about whether TikTok will be used uh, as a platform to gather data on American individuals, American businesses. Uh, that has not been proven yet at all, and TikTok denies it uh, up and down. And they recently appointed a, uh, an American CEO to try to alleviate those fears that uh, TikTok was working on behalf of Beijing. So, I think right now it's mostly posturing, mm. but to your to your point, I think in the next decade we're going to see this tremendous race uh, in artificial intelligence, and those companies, whether it's an Amazon or an Alibaba in China, uh, it, or JD.com in China, those companies that can best master artificial intelligence will have a huge advantage going forward.
Thank you so much. We appreciate your time, Brian. Great speaking with you. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. We've been speaking with the author of Bayesonomics, Brian Demaine. Brian, thank you so much for your time. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.